The Free For All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer in the Maple Auto Mall near Rutherford at Highway 400. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. Okay, we did find Vashi Capellos, and she's going to join us at 8.35 now. On the panel right now, Tim Hudak is here, former leader of Ontario's Conservatives, now with the Ontario Real Estate Association, Power Group Communications, and host of the O Show, Laura Babcock, present and accounted for Mark Warner, international trade lawyer. Good morning to y'all. Let's get to it. Uh, Canadians are chewing on David Johnston's initial investigation. He now says he's going to do all sorts of other investigations, but the big takeaway was no actual formal inquiry. Tim Hudak, I'll start with you. Um, I don't know that there's too many people who would say that was the right choice. Surprised uh, and and deeply disappointed. Uh, look, I, I think David Johnson made this too much about himself. He's basically saying he'll be the, the judge and jury on this. And trust me, in an era where there is very little trust, I I, I was shocked when I heard the news, John. I, I thought for sure he'd recommend a full public inquiry just to get the facts for Canadians on what is a major issue, declare the air on what is true and what is not true, and surely to goodness, there's got to be some way to work around security uh, concerns. And the bugs off that phone by now, I have no doubt about it, the Chinese consulate. So surely to goodness, an effort could be made, and I hope will still be made, to get to the bottom of this and find out exactly what the connections were between the Chinese government, MPs, and trying to influence local elections. Laura Babcock, I'm sure that uh, David Johnston and those who appointed him think that he is a fair player and that he's doing, you know, he's got the integrity, but enough Canadians don't believe it. It's kind of like when you think that the refs are, you know, crap, so you're not going to settle on the score. Well, perception is reality, right? So they may personally know him well, and we all know his public record, but he also has ties both to the foundation and to the family. And this is an issue that has wide-ranging and possibly ongoing implications. This is not a single thing that happened that a public inquiry was launched to look into. This is something that could be ongoing and could be threatening our democracy right now. So Canadians aren't satisfied. They're not, I'm not satisfied with this sort of half measure of a special rapporteur why not just get to the inquiry? I've said it from the get. And I'm not satisfied that public hearings by Johnson are going to be the same as a public inquiry. Canadians may not have a lot of trust, to Tim's point, and you've got a juggernaut like Pierre Polyev, who's a communications juggernaut, who's going to keep ramming this all the way to the election until we get an inquiry. And so when you're looking at it from that perspective, how does Trudeau possibly win on this? Johnston's hearings will seem as a half measure. Canadians will still say, well, what still don't we know? And Polyev is not gonna drop that narrative. This has to go to an inquiry. The sooner that Trudeau does this, he should do it. And fine, if Johnston wants to do these hearings, do them too. But Canadians trust the vehicle of a public inquiry. We can still put our faith in something of that nature that's independent. Let's go that route so we can all feel better about protecting our democracy. Speaking of the leader of the federal Conservatives, Pierre Polyev, live in studio on the Jerry Agar show this morning at 11.35. Mark Warner, your thoughts? Well, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I, I've known David Johnson for many, many years since I was a student at McGill. I liked him then. You know, he was the principal at McGill when we did the divestment campaign. And, you know, I remember looking across the room at him. And um, when I realized that we would achieve divestment at McGill was when I realized that he was going to play fairly with us, whereas a lot of his contemporaries didn't, um, particularly at University of Toronto, which led to other issues. I also saw him a lot when he was president of Waterloo. 
in a different capacity um, when he was constantly trying to get money from the Ontario government for, for the ministry that I was general counsel of or legal director of the Ministry of Research and Information. Uh, of innovation, sorry. So I'm not surprised by it, John. I, I, I mean, the, the Johnson I knew at McGill I, was a person that was scrupulously uh, correct and and and, uh, and very ethical and, and played fairly. The Johnson I sort of saw through the sidelines uh, in the other capacity seemed very different than the first one. So, and that was the Johnson, the second one, I think, who's way tied into this whole China Inc. business. So I'm not surprised by it. I also don't trust Justin Trudeau's ability, based on his record, to appoint an independent uh, uh, person to investigate it other than Johnson. You know, we we have his appointment of Justice Rouleau, who was equally conflicted, it seemed to me. It just seems to me how Justin Trudeau plays the game. So this is on us as Canadians. If we accept this, then, uh, you know, uh, this government will stand. But if not, I think people are going to have to ask themselves, even if they agree with this government on certain policies, have they gone too far? And if we yeah. can't answer that question, then it's on us. I'm just thinking maybe he could appoint Jody Wilson-Raybould, and everyone would actually believe <laughs> that she was doing an honest job. Uh, Han Dong, uh, vindicated it would seem, although uh, Tim Hudek, if memory serves, you, uh, Han Dong has been a friend, and um, so I'll let you take this in any direction. Yeah, no, thanks, John. I mean, no, I, I, I wouldn't say friend. We we're, we're colleagues in the legislature, and it's devastating to hear this kind of news, and you so desperately uh, don't want it to be uh, true. So David Johnson, in, in the report, says that the uh, the allegations that he had told the uh, Chinese officials to keep the two Michaels were were false. He does seem to still have a close relationship with with the consul, and you know that, that's pretty common for MPs and MPPs to to do with particular countries. But I really do think that that Handong should be on the side for a full public inquiry as well. I think his his boss, so to speak, the Prime Minister, hung him out to dry uh, by not acting on this. And there's still going to be a lot of questions about how cozy that relationship was, or was it innocent? And, and truly, only a full public inquiry can clear that and hopefully have success in the course of Global. And we should remind people the scandal with Han Dong was the allegation that he had, uh, apparently in a phone conversation, so clearly CSIS was listening, he had told the Consul General of China here in Toronto that China should keep the two Michaels behind bars. The accusation never made any sense in the first place, but Mark Warner, it certainly was damaging. Well, it might have been damaging. It's damaging, I suppose, if it's untrue. Uh, it is the subject of a defamation suit. It's interesting that Global News has not, uh, which is the broadcaster primarily that has been sued by Han Dong's lawyers, has not retracted the comment, has not done anything that he has said. And I don't, I didn't see any indication based on the Johnson report that they would. I think they'll want to get into court and they will subpoena the government for these very confidential reports. So I, uh, <laughs> if I were Han Dong, I would I wouldn't want to be uh, jumping up and down saying that he's been vindicated. I've seen some of the headlines saying that. Uh, we'll see if he's vindicated if the defamation suit pr- proceeds. And I, uh, you know, I hope the global has some uh, cojones on this. Um, a lot of Canadian media outlets tend to fold. Let's see if they hold them this time. Laura Babcock, your thoughts. Well, I mean, Hang said that he's been vindicated by the report, but I'm with uh, the rest of the panel. I think that a full public inquiry, once again, is the vehicle that Canadians trust the most. And also this defamation suit, if he can prove it, it's a hard thing to prove. So if he can prove it, then that will go a long way. But to, to call out that you've been vindicated early on, I suppose he's trying to get ahead of the narrative. But this is a bigger story. And as I mentioned, it's not going anywhere. Uh, I don't think this is the end of it. I don't think just because the special rapporteur decided something, 
something that Canadians are going to say, okay, yeah, we're good. Uh, you know, <laughs> no worries about China or any other interference into our government and our democracy. We are watching a U.S. election that is going to be very much around the issue of, you know, the future of democracy coming up in a year and a half. So this is not going anywhere. We need a public inquiry and that and only then will Handong be vindicated. Okay, so from the uh, we can't have anything nice file, the City of Toronto has called off Canada Day celebrations in Nathan Phillips Square and are now we're being urged to contact our MPs and beg the federal government for money. Mark Warner, I've compared this to taking away kids ice cream in order to, you know, instore some degree of respect and order. Well, we know who's not running for mayor. <laughs> so is this what the deputy mayor has done? Um, it's, a, it's a stunt. It seems silly. I, I would say, I, just my, my, my one patriotic day of the year, I, I wish people would sort of declare hands off Canada Day and hands off uh, sort of those overarching unifying Canadian symbols uh, like the Maple Leaf, etc. Um, so let's dumb, stupid. Yes, uh, Toronto can beg for more money, but really, I think all levels of government. Uh, other levels of government think that Toronto is just profligate and says, learn how to prioritize. And uh, I think you can beg all you want, whether it's a liberal government or conservative government, I just don't see a lot more money coming to Toronto. I was a little surprised, but then again, I've never run a multi-billion dollar budget. But Laura Babcock, I asked uh, Budget Chief Gary Crawford, okay, so what's the line item for Canada Day celebrations in Nathan Phillips Square? And he didn't know. I have to think it's, you know, pennies. And so this is a bit of a ploy. Well, you know, we need to do our celebrations, <laughs> to Mark's point. I mean, hands off, can't we have good things here in Canada? But we also have, uh, one of the things that I, I kind of like is this idea that, you know, municipalities have been going cap in hand to the provincial and federal governments for everything for a long time, especially since we saw so much downloading back in the day. And I like the idea of saying to citizens, uh, you know, your government also makes promises to you. You can also go to them and put pressure on the federal and provincial governments to, to be able to fund the things that we consider to be important, whether it's Canada Day or whether it's our, our housing crisis, right, or whether it's more funding transfers to cities like Toronto to deal with some of their issues. So I, I'm a fan of getting, you know, Canadians on the phone to their MPs and their MPPs and helping uh, to get the kind of things that we value as Canadians. I'm always mindful, though, Tim Hudak, that there are plenty of people who don't pay taxes in Toronto who listen to our show and they're all yelling at the radio right now, pay your own bills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, when I certainly heard that as uh, an MPP from Niagara and as, as Ontario PC leader, that that dichotomy between Toronto and everybody else. Look, this is amateur hour, John. To make a very direct comment about it, this is a, one of the the worst forms of what Ronald Reagan used to call the Statue of Liberty play. When everyone looked to get some savings, bureaucrats would say, "Well, we can close down the Statue of Liberty in Mount Rushmore." This is the weakest form of that, and I think shows um, a lame approach right now. It's not going to get anywhere. Look, they they actually need a captain. They need the pivot so when the new mayor is elected you know he or she can help lead the charge why they don't try to get other municipalities on board actually makes it worse for them they'd be a stronger united front in getting some post-covid costs approaching both provincial and federal government and my goodness you're going to do a campaign to get actual taxpayers involved you do a full social media strategy. You do direct mails that allow them to, you know, put their own words in or help craft a letter. An easy thing to ignore for a politician is when you get the same friggin' form email from different people, copy everybody else. It's a lame effort. Uh, shrinkflation is apparently getting worse in Canada. This is where you reduce the size of a consumer product, but you sell it for the same price. And Mark Warner, we have the additional jeopardy that now uh, sometimes it gets so small that it ends up being taxed because it's no, no longer considered to be a food item.
Yeah, well, so first on the shrinkflation point, I mean, that is a real issue. I think it is a significant issue. I mean, I, I the, the issue that I brought up here before is I think, you know, one of the things that's odd is in Canada, we don't have mandatory per unit pricing, which is which is what makes it hard to even sometimes know that you're really the subject of shrinkflation. You go to buy that Nescafe coffee and you realize that you look at the price per unit, it's actually gone up. Um, so I think that's horrible. I, I didn't realize, I mean, this is interesting. I didn't, I hadn't followed the HST on groceries for in detail for a long time, uh, you know, in terms of what they call basic groceries and what they don't call basic groceries. So it does appear that for some items, people may see taxes when it gets below certain uh, size limits. Uh, but this whole murky area of HST taxes to groceries is a whole other a scandal. It's not quite the way it was originally. The idea was originally when it came up, the idea was like groceries, all groceries would be exempt, but we're a long way from that now. I don't know how much people will really see the tax difference because I frankly think a lot of groceries are exempted from this tax uh, exempt rule. Okay. Well, Tim Hudak, I don't know. Maybe we should uh, compel a company to say now in a reduced size for the same price. Yeah, I don't know uh, about that, but I, I do believe in, in, in name and uh, in shame and, and good for this website that actually tracks that and can form us as consumers. And maybe we could go after the companies directly, right? It's, it's called Mouseprint, mouseprint.org, and they actually track which companies are trying to get away with this. And this is a healthy reminder of how odd our tax system can be and has some perverse incentives when it comes to uh, HST. We'd like to see them get fixed as well. Thank you all. Good to have you. Laura Babcock, Tim Hudak, Mark Warner, that's round one. Round two coming your way at 845.